And this month we've been looking towards Easter and anticipating that at the end of this month, just in a couple of weeks, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ here on Easter Sunday. And so these messages have been leading us towards that direction. Last week we looked at um, who might we extend an invitation to who might be looking for some place to belong. And I gave you a whole list of people to actually not invite to our community and then a couple of people to look at and say, wow, do they need a place to belong? And maybe they can belong with us on Easter Sunday. Um, today we're going to look at uh, a passage of Scripture that has to do with an invitation. And what I love about this particular story that we're going to read, this particular passage in John, is that we see Philip, who extends the invitation, but he extends it to a guy named Nathaniel. And Nathaniel is what I would call somebody who is an honest skeptic, an honest skeptic. And what I love about this story is that a lot of times when I talk with people about faith or or their belief system, um, a lot of times there's a lot of skepticism. We encounter skepticism. And, And skepticism is not a bad thing. Skepticism, it's good. It's an okay thing to have. In the family of God, there is room for skepticism. Even after Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, there's a guy known as Doubting Thomas. He doubts whether Jesus is raised from the dead or not. Thomas is skeptical, and there's a space for him. And so today we're going to look at Nathaniel, who is an honest skeptic. He was skeptical about Jesus. And then we'll look at Philip, who invited him anyway. And I actually think it's really honest. It's a real honest approach to faith and Christianity. So with that, we're going to start in on John chapter 1, and we'll go through 43 to 51. It's only eight verses, but it moves kind of quickly through the scenes. There are three scenes, three distinct scenes in these eight chapters. So I'll walk us through and also try to give us enough background so that we can understand what's going on. So John chapter 1, beginning at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So just a little bit, we're picking this up. Andrew and Peter were introduced a little bit before. They were invited to follow Jesus, and they did. So now Jesus is inviting Philip to follow him. And it says that he's from this town, Bethsaida. And just the reason why that's important, it'll come in in a little bit. Bethsaida is the name of the town, and it's a similar name like Bethlehem. We know of Bethlehem, and Beth means house, and Lehem means bread. So Bethlehem is house of bread. Bethsaida is also, uh, it has a meaning. Beth means home or house, and Saida means hunting or fishing. So Philip is from a town called Bethsaida, which is the home of fishing or hunting. And it is a town on the lake of Galilee. And so that'll be important. We'll come back to that in a little bit. 
Okay, so now it moves from this first scene of introducing Philip from Bethsaida, and it moves to the second scene in verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Here we encounter what I call the skepticism of Nathanael. Philip comes to him and says, hey, we found Jesus. And Nathanael says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Really? Can anything good come out of there? His posture of skepticism is seen in in these words of objection, these words of resistance. And maybe there's even, could be a little bit of prejudice. And this is what I mean with Bethsaida. Because Bethsaida was this little um, hunting village, hunting town on Lake um, Galilee. But Nazareth was this town up in the hills, a little village up in the hills where Joseph was from, Joseph the carpenter. And it was probably less prosperous than Bethsaida. It's probably a little poor, probably a little bit more backwards. I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, people in the flatlands, in the more prosperous areas, they look at people from the hills and go, well, they're, they're a little bit backward. They're, they're not as, you know, can anything good come from there? Like, can anything good come out of the foothills of Tahoe? I mean, I'm from Silicon Valley. Can any, like, good technology come out of Angel's Camp or Murphy's? Or, I, mean, I mean, we're, you know, can anything good come from there? So maybe Bethsaida, being more prosperous, was richer, and maybe Nathaniel was a little bit like, ah, they're just the hill people. They don't know anything. What are they doing? It could be that it's so small that Nathaniel would discount anything of value coming from there. I was thinking about the warriors, right? Who's not thinking about the warriors, right? And you think about Steph Curry, right? And Steph, you guys know Steph, he didn't come from a big basketball college like Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina. Hey, you guys should check out this basketball player. Steph Curry, he's from Davidson. Can anything good come out of Davidson? I mean, that's like, you know, and here he comes. Here's this guy. He comes. You know, there also might be a little bit of uh, Nathaniel understanding faith. He might have a little bit of understanding of religion. You know, being somebody who's, uh, who's familiar with the background, there are a lot of false teachers in this time that had come out of the town of Nazareth. So maybe Nathaniel was remembering that the bad leaders uh, had come out of this town. And he says, you know, this is just another bad leader coming out of Nazareth. It's a little bit like somebody nowadays who maybe has a bad experience with a religious leader. And they go, ah, I had a bad experience with this religious leader. Can anything good come out of that? You'd be surprised at how many people I talk to who have business dealings and sometime in their, in their life and in their business career, they had a bad dealing with someone who was a Christian. 
And because of that one bad experience with a Christian in, in business, they write off all of Christian faith. They have one experience, one bad experience in the church, one bad experience in Christianity. And they go, can anything good come out of the church? Really? Because I, I, was, I, was, I trusted this guy and, and he took me for a lot of money. And he went to church every Sunday. Can really, can anything good come out of Christianity? And I wonder if some of this is Nathaniel's skepticism. Really, I, I heard about other religious leaders coming out of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of there? And Philip says, simply, come and see. In Nathaniel's skepticism, Philip says, come and see. And now, John 1 and our passage moves to the third scene where Nathaniel and Jesus actually interact. So verse 47 says this. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, which means teacher. It's an honorific title. Teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Here ends this encounter. Jesus encounters Nathanael, and then Nathanael has this profound seeing and understanding of who Jesus is. He has this conversion moment. It's probably a summary of a much larger conversation that they had. And actually, I think part of what helps turn Nathanael is that there's actually, Jesus is actually trying to make a joke here. I think there's, you're, we're going to see a little bit of the humor of Jesus in this. Okay, now I'm going to ask you to bear with me a little bit because there's nothing worse for a joke than actually trying to explain the joke. <laughs> and I'm going to attempt to do that and actually attempt to explain how this is a joke in Hebrew for the Jewish people and why Nathaniel would have gone like, how do you know me? Okay, so here, here it is. Here's the backstory for this. So Jesus says, this is the joke. Jesus says, um, behold, an Israelite, indeed in whom there is no deceit. Okay, uproarious laughter. Why is this funny? Why is Jesus, why is this humorous? It's humorous because this is, it's a wordplay. The word Israel and Israelite, it's taken from Jacob. The three great patriarchs are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob is renamed by God Israel in Genesis chapter 35. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, who's also called Israel. So what would Nathanael know about Jacob, who's also called Israel, of whom all the Jewish people take their name, the Israelites. They all come down from Jacob, who is Israel. What Nathanael would know 
about Jacob is that Jacob is known as a deceiver. If you know your Old Testament and you know the story of Jacob, Jacob had an older brother named Esau. And when your father gets very old, he passes on a birthright to you and prays a prayer of blessing over you. So Jacob's older brother was Esau, and Esau was supposed to receive the blessing from their father. But Jacob did something. Jacob dressed up like his older brother Esau, and Jacob went to their father, whose eyesight was failing, and he pretended to be his older brother. So Jacob deceived his father, and he told his father that he was actually his older brother Esau. And the father, instead of giving the blessing and the birthright to the older son Esau, he gave it to the deceiver, Jacob, because he couldn't tell that Jacob was the younger brother. So the birthright and the blessing and everything that was supposed to be given to the oldest son was given to the younger son, Jacob. That's Jacob. That's Israel. That's the deceiver. Those are the Israelites. And that's the branch. And that's the joke. So what Jesus is saying, here comes Nathaniel. He's the skeptic. And if you know anything about skeptics, you know this. That skeptics love to be skeptical. Right? What is a skeptic really? What's at the core? A skeptic loves to be skeptical because their skepticism is built on a little bit of truth. Oh, I had dealings with Christian. I'm not going to have anything to do with them. Can't trust them. They're untrustworthy, right? And skepticism, a skeptic will let you know the little truth that they know. Okay? And so truth is a value for a skeptic. And so here comes Nathaniel, and Jesus sees him and goes, so here is a deceiver in whom there is no deceit. Here's a deceiver who really values the truth. Don't you, Nathaniel? And Nathaniel would go, yeah, you do know me. We are descended from deceivers, but not me. I'm not a deceiver. You're not going to get me deceived because I'm a skeptic. And Jesus knows him. And Jesus says, I'll tell you something else I know about you. I saw you under the fig tree before Philip told you to come and see me. And Nathaniel is blown away that here is this man, Jesus Christ, who Nathaniel was skeptical about. Here is Jesus who knows him. And he even knows him as a skeptic. And then Nathaniel makes this really true, profound statement. You are the son of God the king of Israel. And then Jesus says, wow, you think this is impressive? Truly, truly, I say to you. In the original language, it says, amen, amen, I say to you. You're gonna see things greater than this. 
Amen, amen. Surely you're going to see things greater than this. You're going to see angels of God ascending and descending. Now, where have we seen angels ascending and descending? We've seen that in the story of Jacob. After Jacob deceived his father, Esau was very angry that the birthright was stolen. And Jacob left and went out into the wilderness to go to another town. And while Jacob was fleeing, while the deceiver was fleeing, he had a dream. And sometimes it's called Jacob's ladder, where God gave Jacob a dream and there was a ladder and angels were ascending and descending on that ladder in Genesis 28. So Jesus says, hey, you deceiver in whom there's no deceit, you're going to see angels ascending and descending just like the original deceiver did. You're going to see that too. That's the story of Jacob, the Israelite, tied in to Nathaniel. Let me offer just three reflections about this passage and about what I think it shows us about inviting people, even people that are skeptical. First of all, I want to look briefly at the skepticism of Nathaniel, and then I want to look at how Philip invites Nathaniel in spite of his skepticism. And the third thing I want to just say is that in all of that, the convincing belongs not to Philip. The convincing belongs to Jesus. If you've ever encountered a skeptic, maybe you have a good friend who's skeptical. I mean, you know that they come with an attitude of doubt about things. They're even suspicious. And I think they're actually, at core, they're really honest. They have a truth. It's the way that they see things. But I also think skepticism is a form of safety. You can be safe in your skepticism. You can defend your position in skepticism. Skepticism is actually a position of power because people who are skeptical can maintain a sense of control over their worldview and they can be in control over how they see the world and what they see is true. And they can oftentimes take a small truth or a small experience and then extrapolate that into a larger defense, which actually protects their own opinion or their own own worldview. It's very human to be skeptical. I mean, I'm, I'm skeptical as well. Some of the best scientists in the world are skeptical. So honest skepticism is good. But the key is to not let our skepticism block us from experiencing bigger truth. Don't let a small truth block from bigger truth. That's what's important for skepticism. That's what's important for skeptics to understand. There's a great preacher that I know. His name's Earl Palmer. And sometimes he'll call this the Nathaniel objection. When you let a small truth block you from a big truth. It's kind of like this. The Nathaniel objection is, is sort of like this. Uh, the other day, uh, Evelyn and I, we were over at a parents' night, and it was an open house, 
at the local junior high as our kids are moving up into junior high. And you know when you go to junior high? I don't know if you guys have gone back to junior high in a long time, but like all junior highs are kind of about the same. They sort of smell the same. You go on campus and go, oh yeah, that's what puberty felt like. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know. But I was thinking about junior high. And when we were in junior high, I went to Montera Junior High. And I was in the band. And we were a typical junior high band. We weren't very good. We kind of squeaked and squawked. And we had a great director. His name was Eric, um, Eric Sorensen. He played French horn with the San Francisco Symphony. And I actually don't know why he was spending time with us as junior high students, but he was teaching. He was a great musician, but we weren't that good. Um, and so Eric was trying to do different stuff with us, and we'd have different concerts. So now imagine this. Imagine the Montera Junior High School Band was having a Christmas concert, and we played Handel's Messiah. <laughs> Some people are going, oh my gosh, that's awful. I don't want to imagine that. Okay, so if you imagine that Christmas concert, and imagine listening to the cacophony of sound that would be emerging from the Montera Junior High School band, you'd go, wow, that is really terrible. Now, you could come away going, that was Handel's Messiah? Gah, Handel's terrible. (laughs) The next time I get invited to a Christmas concert, I'm going to be really suspicious. Somebody come up to you and go, hey, 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 next year we got some cool tickets. We're going to go to a Christmas concert. You want to come? I'd be like, oh, well, what's the music? And the guy goes, it's Handel's Messiah. And I'll be like, uh, I've heard Handel's Messiah. Uh, I don't think Handel's that good. And then he could ask, well, where did you hear it? The San Francisco Symphony? The London Philharmonic? Did you hear Handel's Messiah with the Boston Symphony Orchestra? And my skeptical self would have to say, uh, no, the Montera Junior High School Band. (laughs) Everyone who plays Handel reflects the composer. Some do it more beautifully, gracefully, elegantly, and accurately, and other people do it less so. Nathaniel is skeptical because of his experience. All of us, at some level, reflect Jesus Christ. Some of us do it graciously and some of us do it less so. Notice what Philip does when he invites Nathaniel. Philip actually just brushes off Nathaniel's skepticism. He actually doesn't engage it. Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Really? 
And Philip simply says, come and see. He simply invites. Philip could have taken the bait of skepticism. Philip could have gotten to a huge argument. He could have gotten really defensive about Nazareth. Maybe he knows Joseph of Nazareth. Maybe he's a personal friend. Maybe he knows that Joseph is a carpenter. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And then Philip could get really defensive and go, hey, Nathaniel, that is so ignorant of you. Don't you know that there's great carpenters up in Nazareth? They're a a great place for, for handicrafts and furniture and all kinds of woodworking. And I know, jo- I, know, I know Joseph up there, Jesus' dad. I, I know him. He could have gotten really defensive. He could have gotten really defensive for all of Nazareth and gone, well, that's kind of, that's kind of arrogant of you. Like, small towns are quaint, you know? I know Bethsaida is a bigger town, more rich and fishing, but Nazareth, Nazareth's a good town. They're, they're nice people up there. He didn't get defensive at all. He didn't engage. He didn't get get in a big theological argument about Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus from from there, Jesus Joseph's son. Well, actually, he's born of Mary, and he's actually from the city of David. He actually came from Bethlehem. He's not really from Nazareth. He didn't try to do a massive theological apologetic. There's room for skepticism. God's not frightened by skepticism. Philip just says, come and see, so that Nathaniel can encounter Jesus. That's what the invitation is. Not that Nathaniel would encounter Philip's theology. It's that Nathaniel would encounter Jesus Christ. So he says, come and see. So that's the second reflection. First is the skepticism of Nathaniel. Second is that Philip just simply invites, come and see. And the third thing is that it's Jesus who does the convincing. Jesus himself breaks through Nathaniel's skepticism. It's Jesus' job to do that. It's not Philip's job. And it's not our job. It's not our job to do that. Because none of us are Jesus Christ. All of us are just Christians just trying to live as honestly as we can. Which means, as Christians, because we're not like Jesus, there's going to be some hypocrisy that we live with and that people see because it's not perfect, because we're not perfect. I was talking to a friend of mine um, named Jen, and she was an agnostic. And uh, we were having a good conversation, and she had honest skepticism. And I said, Jen, what, what is it? I mean, you're an agnostic, but what is it? Like, what blocks you? And she says, do you really want to know? And I said, yeah, I really want to know. And Jen said, you know, it's the Christians. She goes, what's so hard for me is that Christians are so hypocritical. And I said, that's right. We are. Because we talk about following Jesus and perfect love, but we love him perfectly. We talk about following Jesus who forgives unconditionally, 
But as humans, we struggle to even forgive at all. So you're right. We are hypocritical. All of us. But we're following Jesus. Because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. So I want you to consider Jesus. Don't consider us. Consider Jesus. See, that's the Nathaniel objection. Don't judge us based on how the Montero Junior High School Orchestra plays it. Leslie Newbegin, an author and, and writer, says this. Intelligent skepticism is not condemned. Intelligent skepticism is not condemned. Look at Nathaniel. Jesus doesn't ridicule him. Jesus doesn't judge him. Jesus jokes with him. Jesus cleverly turns a phrase on him. And Nathaniel gets it. And gets that Jesus knows him. Jesus says, truth is important to you. And Nathaniel says, you're right. I'm a skeptic because truth is important to me. You might have a Nathaniel in your life. Someone who's honest, but someone who's a skeptic. Maybe a person who doesn't quite belong somewhere. This would be a person that you could invite to join us on Easter. A place to belong, a place where their skepticism can find a place here and where they can come and see who Jesus is, the resurrected Jesus, the Savior, the Lord of the world. And then it's not up to us to convince them. It's up to Jesus to do the convincing. I'm going to open up a prayer time for us right now. And the sermon's done. Um, But I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. If there was somebody from last week who was just in your heart or on your mind, we're going to have a time to just pray for that person. Maybe today you're thinking, hey, there's somebody who maybe I'll invite, but I'm afraid they might be really skeptical. So you can pray for them in this time. We'll just take a few minutes and I'll lead us and I'll have a little bit of silence and in that time of silence, you can lift up this name to to God, this person, either from last week or this week and pray that God might give you an opportunity and a conversation to invite them that they might want to join us for Easter and come and see Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Lord God, you know. You know the journey that people are on. You know the people. You know the folks who are around us, the relationships that we have. So God, I pray that we might be people who are just honest about who we are, And we can be thinking about folks and say, hey, here's somebody who needs a place to belong, who might be open to faith, who might want to explore Jesus, and who we might be able to invite and just simply say, come and see. So God, for the folks that we know in our lives that need a place to belong, for the folks that we know in our lives who are 
skeptical of faith or skeptical of the church or skeptical of pastors. God, we just take this moment now to lift them up by name to you. God, I thank you that you know them. God, I thank you that you love them. God, I thank you that you have a plan for them. God, thank you that you love them more than we love them. And God, we trust them that in your time and in your way, you will reveal yourself to them. God, if you want us to be a part of their story, God, I pray that you would give us opportunity and courage, boldness to invite them to Easter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.